You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Hi, I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. When Rich and I started buying properties, rental properties out of state, we started with Dallas, Texas. And the reason for that is because it was so business friendly. And by business friendly, I mean they were giving tax incentives and making it really attractive for businesses to move to Dallas. And when businesses move, so do people because they're moving for the jobs. Uh, so we started investing again back in 2004 in Dallas, Texas. And today we're seeing some of the same trends. I mean, if there was ever a time that we could see which states were more business friendly than others, it was 2020 because some states shut down completely and mandated it, like here in California where I live. In fact, if a business tried to stay open in LA, the city would literally just shut down uh, the electricity and water so that that business could not work. And and many restaurants were afraid to lose their business license. And uh, so it was really, they, they just literally could not work, not very business friendly. Whereas across the country in Florida, of course, we had a very different situation. And here we are a year later, we know that uh, Florida was very, very business friendly all throughout the pandemic. And how did that work out? Well, I'm going to read to you a little bit of the Sovereign Man blog that just came out. And it's, it's very interesting. Uh, the CDC statistics show that the COVID-19 case rates and death rates since the beginning of the pandemic are nearly identical in both states. And on the side, Florida's death rate is 40% lower than in the state of New York, along with dozens of other states. And that's interesting because Florida has its share of older people, right? So how is this possible? Well, we know that Florida didn't shut down, yet it's got about the same statistics as California that did. Here is what was affected by those shutdowns, and of course, it's the economy. So in January of 2020, California's unemployment rate was at 3.9%. Today, it is 9.3%. And in January of 2020, last year, Florida's unemployment rate was 3.3%. Today, it's 5.1%. The national average unemployment is 6.7, and Florida's labor market is much healthier than the national average. Leisure and hospitality jobs fell by 30% in California, only 15% in Florida. And twice as many people have started businesses in Florida compared to California in the past year. So comparing the third quarter of 2019 to 2020, California's economic decline was 33% worse than Florida's, according to the Bureau of Economic Analysis. So I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about viruses, except that I try to avoid them. But what we do look for as real estate investors, it's very important for us to look for areas where our business is welcome and our business is real estate. And we are seeing that Florida is very, very friendly to our business. So on today's show, I wanted to bring someone who actually is from New Jersey, but did a lot of uh, flipping houses in California and then took his winnings and went to Florida and invested there. So he kind of knows a lot of different markets, you know, the high-priced, high-tax market of New Jersey, high-priced, high-tax high tax market of California, and the low-tax, low-price market of Florida. But of course, things are changing quickly there. So we're going to get boots-on-the-street information. Brian, welcome. So happy to have you here back on The Real Wealth Show. Hey, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me. 
I love having you on because you're an old timer now, right? You don't look like one, but you've been investing for a, a while and through many different cycles, uh, lots of ups and downs. Uh, I would, I'm just curious before we go into your story, where you think we are in the cycle right now in Florida, where you're currently located and investing? It's a great question. So I, I have gotten unemotional about this whole real estate investment game in the last 25 years, as you said, of going in the ups and downs. And I really just pay attention to the numbers, which I have some, some numbers to share with you, because at the end of the day, I think, you know, when our emotion goes up, our intellect goes down and we make poor decisions. So I will say that I do and did believe, um, I should say, I did believe that, you know, we were getting close to the peak uh, in the last 12 months, let's say. But then I look at the numbers and I look at the supply and demand and I look at the rents increasing and the cash on cash returns. And, you know, the, the, uh, what's happening in the marketplace proves me wrong. So as an example, um, let's look at Duval County, which is the city of Jacksonville. It's actually the largest city in North America. It's where we're headquartered. It's where I'm the most heavily invested personally as a landlord. Um, and I got, I just got these numbers from my builder partner. So coming from the builders association, which is, you know, regulated by, you know, Northeast Florida association of realtors, startups are permit data for, um, we go back to 2005, which is when everyone feels like we were at the height of the last cycle. Right. And the, and the history shows that and the numbers show it. We had in Duval County, we had, uh, 8,360 new permits pulled in 2005, which again was the height of the market. In um, 2020, last year, we had uh, 50, a little over 5,400, so almost a third less. Now, that in, in itself tells a story, right? We're not, we're mm -hmm. not at the peak if you look at the numbers. But then to compound that, um, I look at population because at the end of the day, you need people moving in along with you know, the, the housing market and to, to, to support the local economy. So today we are at, depends on the, on the resource that you look at, Kathy, but today I just looked, you know, did some of my research to prepare for this interview with you. Population greater uh, metro of Jacksonville is 1.6 million today. Um, it has grown every year consistently with compounding growth about a point and a half since 2005. So the, I guess in a nutshell, what I'm saying is I don't think we're at the top because the numbers mm -hmm. tell me we're not, right? The, the, the permits for new construction and then the compounding growth of people moving in. I always go back to the fundamentals. Yeah. I was very, very fortunate, you know, 25 years ago to get some really smart people around me, people you know, like Craig Chandler, my friend from Australia, who's, you know, probably one of the most successful real estate guys that I know, and that's been doing it. I've been doing it 25 years. He's been doing it about 35 years. Um, so I've really listened to his, you know, his expertise. Um, and I go back to the fundamentals of, you know, jobs and people moving in, affordability, I looked at the median this morning in Jacksonville. It's 225K. It's still very. <laughs> that's, that's pretty affordable. So that's what, that's what you pay for a septic tank in, in California. Oh, I think we paid <laughs> a little more. <laughs> we just had one replaced and oh, ouch. Because then you got to do all this other stuff with the septic, like, you know, uh, make sure that tree's okay. But that was an inside joke as you and I talked about. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're from New Jersey, but you did your first investing or you spent a lot of time in Bakersfield, California. Um, so, you know, the California market, and then you sold those properties at the peak and went to Florida. 
so you know different markets. Now in California, I'm born and raised here. I just can't go anywhere else. This is my home. I love it here. Even as crazy as it gets, I, I think we're here forever. Uh, but what what we've been saying since I was a child back in the 70s, when houses in the San Francisco Bay Area where we lived were $50,000, you know, then they went up to 70000 And I remember my dad kind of freaking out. And then he paid $100,000 for the home we bought. No, I actually think it was 90000 for the home when he really moved up into Atherton, the most expensive place in the Bay Area. It was $90,000. 10 years later, uh, when I was graduating, it was worth a million. And he thought he had just made it and cashed in. Well, three years later, it was worth $4 million. So I'm used to, let, let me tell you, he went from elated to very depressed. I've never seen anyone so depressed. He would walk around with his head down uh, because he lost $3 million if he just held the house. Now, in California, we're always saying, we've peaked. You know, we're at the top. It can't go more than 90000 It can't more, what, 200000 Oh, a million, four million. I mean, it just keeps going. So Florida hasn't had that happen, but it's starting to experience that kind of growth along with a lot, a lot of other markets. But when you really pull it back, 200, what'd you say, 225000 is the median home price? As of uh, 15 minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, that's, that. there's still so much room to grow. When you have people like, me from California uh, moving to places like Florida or people moving from New Jersey and New York to Florida, $225,000 is, is like you said, it's like buying a car for them. It's probably less than the payment they make on their, on their car. Definitely cheaper than their rent in New York. So let's talk about that. You Are you seeing a lot of uh, people moving? Like who's moving there? Are they from New Jersey, New York? Yeah, Where great, are they coming from? Yeah, great question. Um, so on a day-to-day -day experience with my conversations with people I'm dealing with, whether it's family, friends, business associates, they're coming from all over now. Um, but pre-COVID, I would say we had a mass exodus out of New York and what I call the tri-state area, which is New York, New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, where I grew up. And it's always been that way. People get sick of the cold and the crowded and the taxes and the blah, 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 cost of living in Northeast Florida. And I'm sorry, in, um, in the Northeast, like in the tri-state area, and they end up uh, moving south down the coast and nine times out of 10, it seems like they land in Florida, right? My parents are a perfect example of that. I'm a perfect example of that. All of my friends here that I surf with and that I play with are examples of that. So that was <laughs> happening That was happening before COVID, Kathy, but now it's just compounded and the growth, like I talk to people, we interview obviously, you know, the 2000 doors that we manage at the property management, we're, we're interviewing them and taking applications and seeing they're relocating from, not just the Northeast, they're really relocating from all over the world, to be honest with you. I think for the listeners, one thing to really pay attention to when you're thinking about real estate investments is, is what is the, the, the local climate, right? So as you said, I had a, a pretty good run in California. Um, I got very exposed to landlord-friendly uh, laws and regulations in Bakersfield, California. Um, when I look at that and compare it and contrast it to where we are in the, in the entire state of Florida, um, because the entire state of Florida is very business and landlord friendly, that, that number one attracts people like us that are real estate investors full time, but more importantly, it attracts, you know, uh, employers and big major. Do you mean tenant friendly when you were talking about Bak Bakersfield? Yeah, tenant, did I say, did I you say? You said landlord friendly. And I was like, really? They have landlord friendly laws in Bakersfield? No, tenant friendly, right? So yeah, the law uh, supports the tenant more than the landlord in California. 
Yeah, to give you a tangible example, the tenant stops paying me in Bakersfield. I go to court nine months in, 12 months in, in many cases. And the judge said, you know what? Give them a couple more months. They're having a hard time. And I'm thinking, well, my, my mortgage was due 12 months ago. Are you going gonna to help me with that? Um, in the state of Florida, it's complete opposite of that. It really is like apples and watermelons when you look at uh, the, the business environment, the landlord-friendly environment. So sorry I misspoke. Yeah, I meant to say tenant-friendly in California versus landlord-friendly here. And that, that one little simple fundamental changes so much, right? I mean, COVID is an example. Well, let's just, yeah, look at the past year and the way California handled the pandemic, the way Florida handled the pandemic. Florida uh, was getting a lot of criticism, still is with Miami, you know, the spring break again. Here we are a year, year later and Miami's in trouble for its spring breaks again. Uh, but people are still going there. Um, California, of course, completely shut down. Uh, we're still you know, we're still pretty much shut down. We can't go indoor dining for the most part. Uh, hopefully that will change. But Florida was getting so much criticism. And yet you guys have, I mean, I, I, I don't want to talk about viruses and things I don't understand. But um, what I'm hearing is statistically, it's not that different between being open, you guys being open and us being shut down. Is that, am I correct in that? If, if you look at the numbers and you're unemotional about it, I think you're, you're spot on there, right? And so I always do go to the data and yeah, it shows that, you know, the, and again, I, I don't read too much into, you know, the diseases and the, all the back, because every, every time you read something, it's a different thing. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the, the quality of life that we have here in Florida, and again, I'm coming from California and I'm coming from New York. I've lived in those places in different environments. Um, yeah, it's a business-friendly environment, and I don't feel that we've, you know, experienced COVID more than any other state in a radical way. Um, but there's so much data out there; it's, it could be overwhelming. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to understand. But from your perspective, uh, it's been um, it's been open, right? Most businesses have been open. Is that right? Were your schools open? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My kids are at school right now. Um, they're wearing a mask, but they're at school. Um, I would say that last uh, March and April, I was scared, nervous, probably like the rest of the world, right? Because there was just, I don't know, it was chaos, right? We mm -hmm. knew that there was this crazy global pandemic that was about to strike, but no one really had any information. And all we saw was body bags on TV. <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah, exactly. You hear the hospitals are shutting down and there's, there's, there's bodies everywhere. I mean, that's, look, at the end of the day, the media is going to sell sensationalism. I mean, I know you come from a background of, you know, media in your previous career. All I do is look at the numbers. I get the data from my management teams, from our sales teams. Um, the numbers don't lie. You know, I, I, again, going back to like the fundamentals and what I, what my mentors told me 25 years ago, Brian, the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. A house is worth what it'll rent for. Like I always go back to those real simple, but really wisdom field, like one-liners <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that sort of drive through, especially when you have um, a global pandemic crisis. Like at the end of the day, our rental numbers are up. Our sales numbers are up. Uh, jobs are, you know, people are coming to the state to live, to work, to invest. So I, you know, I wish I, it, it's, it's just that simple. I don't, you know, I'm not a, I'm, <laughs> yeah, we don't I'm have to try a, to figure out all the, all the uh, unknowns in the world and all the confusion, but numbers sure make things easier. <laughs> they don't lie generally. So it, um, what you're seeing, and this, we just had this discussion yesterday. We brought um, all of the real wealth uh, preferred teams together on a call. And, and we were asking, oh my gosh, you know, rates are going up and prices are going up. 
So our cash flow is going down. I mean, is it no longer a good deal? And, you know, and I was so shocked again at your response. I was shocked last year when, you know, we had eviction moratoriums and foreclosure moratoriums. And I thought, oh boy, we're, you know, we're not going to be able to get out of this. We've got thousands of people in Real Wealth Network who own lots of properties and they're not going to get their rent and how are they going to survive? And, and then, you know, we had you come on and like, oh no, no, people are, are not only paying their rent, we've got more applications than ever. So I was shocked at that. And now I call you again, you know, at all the teams and say, what are we going to do? Prices are going up. Rates are going up. Cash flows must be going down. And you guys had a different opinion again. Yeah. Again, just look at the numbers. We do like side-by-side analysis as investors and you are hundred percent correct. There's a, there's, there is what's perceived as a crisis to the builders. Um, if you're in uh, new construction, because the cost of materials, specifically lumber has gone 250% in the last 12 months up. So you could imagine what that would do to pro formas for, for the builders, which, you know, we are, that's what, that's the main product that we're selling. But when we look at side-by-side analysis is at the end of the day, rents, I, I go back to a home is worth what it'll rent. Right. Um, so when we look at those side-by-side analysis is with the increases in sales prices and um, the increases, depending on when we sold the asset um, in interest rates, um, Fortunately, we've had rents appreciate as well. So I think one of the, one of the big lessons in this whole thing for me personally is, um, you know, I wear a sales hat in our business, so I'm always really paying close attention to the numbers and analyzing. Um, we were real conservative uh, because in some of these markets, we went in and, and we were the guinea pig, right? We were going in and buying a lot of land and building these houses and projecting these rents that we thought were realistic. We were actually conservative. So say, say we, 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 uh, projected rent to be $1,500 on a three-bedroom, two-bath in, say, Cape Coral, Florida. Um, when it rented, it rented for $1,650. And that $150, $200 swing makes up the difference when you have an increase in you know price points and interest rates. So mm-hmm. I think the, the, the lesson for me is, is always try to under-promise and over-deliver <laughs> and be mm-hmm. conservative with your numbers. Um, but that little thing right there is what's been monumental for us in that a side-by-side analysis of what we were selling 12, 18 months ago is performing cash on cash wise identically to what it is today, even with the growth and with the change in the interest rate environment. And at the end of the day, Kathy, I mean, I know you've been doing this a long time. We're spoiled rotten with interest rates right now. People are yeah. freaking out. People are freaking out because we're got, we've gone into the 4% range. I'm thinking... <laughs> I've been doing this for 25 years. I would be sign me up for everything at 4%, right? That makes flow sense. So I think we got a little spoiled and with an interest rate environment. And now we we are going to move into inflation, I think in a slower way. The good news is if you look at us real estate history and track the numbers, rents and values are always indexed to inflation. And we're moving, I think we are going to move into an inflationary time. And that's, that's good news for us landlords because we're, you know, we're, we're locked in at the dollar. Yeah. Yeah. So the, what you're seeing is that even though prices are going up and, and interest rates are going up, rents have been too. So the cash flows aren't that different, maybe down a little. Maybe 50 bucks on some of our pro formas. I mean, I, you know, I, I thought I was maybe living in a bubble over here, but we got on the phone, as you said yesterday, with all the other providers around the country and different economies and uh, different product. And they're saying the same thing. Yeah. Their, their side-by-side analysis is not radically different. So yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think when you're conservative with your numbers, that's what happens. 
Yeah. And, you know, none of this would be, we wouldn't be having this conversation if we didn't have such a manipulated environment. When you, when you have $5 trillion, that's, that's a number that we throw around, but we really don't understand how massive that is. Um, but when that much money is thrown into the pot, uh, you know, that, that's money that circulates. And it ends up typically, at least historically, in assets that inflate like real estate and stocks. So without all that money infusion, we, we would be having probably a very different conversation, but that's the reality of it. And with that, with that much infusion of cash from the Federal Reserve, you're going to see inflation. They want inflation. They're trying to create it. So we got we to gotta play their game. And like you said, four and a half percent. I mean, we, when I started investing, we were at 8%. My, when my dad was investing, it was like 12%. I remember when he refied and went down to nine and he was just beside himself with joy. So, I mean, we are, we are uh, at a still very good time, but, it's, but you have to pick your market. Like, like, well, I don't even know if you have to pick your market anymore. I was going to say, it just seems like it's across the board, the same kind of issues, but specifically in the areas where so many people are going and moving to, uh, you've got outside money coming in. And, and so you can't, you almost can't even look at, at jobs anymore. We used to look at local employment and say, you know, we've got to know what the local wages are in order to understand the affordability of this particular property. Well, now you might have someone with a New York City salary moving in that, that just thinks everything you've got is cheap. The landscape is changing, Kathy. I mean, you just, you just hit the nail on the head. People working virtually, um, making a New York wage and living in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, where the median price is 225. I mean, I, I, grew up in New Jersey, like to your point about your father, I mean, I talk with my dad about like cycles and bought his first house for 22K and that same house in New Jersey is now worth, you know, a couple million bucks. And that's just the reality of it. I mean, the we're, we're, in a, we're in a very interesting time right now, but at the end of the day, if you go back to the fundamentals and pay attention to jobs and are people moving in, um, is it affordable? What's the supply and demand? Um, yeah, I mean, all, all things are, are good right now. Nothing makes nothing makes me you know nervous. That's a great. Oh, well, then I'll ask you one more thing. I know you get this question all the time, but there's obviously more and more concern about climate change, and it, even if Florida is such a sexy place to move with the sunshine and the beaches, and even if you live inland, uh, away from from the hurricanes, you know you're not that far away from the beach. Really, it's like a, you know you could be inland and still be an hour from the beach. So, but you know. What are your thoughts on that? If someone's investing for the long term and, you know, is there going to be a Florida in 10 or 20 years? I mean, what, what do you say to people? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the, the, the overall answer is yes. I mean, it's the old put your money where your mouth is. So I'm building, my wife and I are building our personal portfolio as we speak. Um, and I think that that always gives our investors a, a peace of mind. It's like, well, what are you doing with your money? Well, I'm putting it in the projects I'm selling to you guys, you know? Well, so, you're actually doing it even riskier because you're buying waterfront. I mean, you're like right at the beach. Yeah. So to, 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 to get back to your, your question, um, yes, we do take some risk there in our personal portfolio and some vacation rental stuff. But my core business and what we you know, provide for Real Wealth uh, members is the way I mitigate that is do not, do not build in flood zones. So none of, none of the new construction build to rent properties that we talk about to your clients are in a flood zone. I don't, 
unless it's an Airbnb property that's on the beach, obviously, then they're insured for that and they go into it knowing that. But the, the premium for rent that you get there offsets some of those insurance and, and risk costs. So it really comes down to risk and reward. And every investor has different needs and wants around that, as you know, because you have you know tens and thousands, tens and thousands of investors. So we just try to mitigate risk and, and you know really have good solid management in place. I mean, that is the backbone of any investment in good, bad, or indifferent times. If you don't have management in place, then good luck. And you know, I've I've been through that. And you know, we're not perfect with our management now. Um, we have growing pains, but we have good resources in place. And I think that's really important for any investor. I don't care if you're investing in Malibu or Florida or Africa or Europe, those fundamentals are so important. Well, you uh, have done a webinar for Real Wealth, and um, and that's kind of going over the ins and outs of the property management and where these properties are located and and how they're built and, and how long it takes. All the details are on that webinar. So if anybody wants to see that, they can go to realwealthshow.com and uh, click on the Invest tab. I think you have to join first, but you'll drop down to, I think all of yours is under the Jacksonville tab. Is that that's right? Yeah. yeah, even though you're... You, you're building properties all over Florida, but to find you, you have to click on that Jacksonville tab and you'll see, you know, get that, get that webinar because that's pretty, pretty thorough and answer is going to be able to answer a lot more questions than I can ask today. So it's as usual, so great to see you here on the Real Well Show. I'd rather see you in person in Florida. So we're getting to a point where maybe that's possible and we could go surfing. Let's do it. And I can't wait to meet that little uh, munchkin of yours. Oh, my little, my little grand boy. Oh, he's the cutest thing. Oh, all right. Well, so good to see you. Um, hope to see you soon. And thanks again for all you're doing for our members at Real Wealth, somehow finding them inventory in an inventory starved market. Okay, Kathy. Thanks so much. Thanks to the listeners. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you'd like to get in touch with Brian and find out about some of the new homes that he is building for investment purposes, um, just really building for rentals and selling them to investors, you can get all his information on our website at realwealthshow.com. Just click on the Invest tab and you'll see um, Jacksonville as one of the areas. Now, he's like I said, he's in lots of other parts of Florida, but that's really where he lives and is focused uh, for the last 10 years, but he's building in Ocala and like he said, uh, kind of all over the state. Uh, So you can get his information and find out more about those homes and its property management company at realwellshow.com under the invest tab. If you wanna hear the webinar that he just did, same thing, but you go to the learn tab and look for webinars, archived webinars. All right. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.